0: Then Jesus came from Galilee to John the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he was coming up from the water, suddenly the heavens opened, were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There's a TV show that you're probably familiar with. It's been around for a few years. I'm not exactly um, how, 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 sure how long it's been around, but um, it's a show called Undercover Boss. Uh, you may have uh, I've seen it there's a, this is a show where basically the the boss of a company or a CEO of a corporation uh, they will they will be disguised in some way shape or form and then they'll go into their to their business or to their corporation and kind of see how things actually work you know they'll always be shocked by something and they'll always meet someone that they'll be impressed with that at the end of the day gets a promotion you know it's it's an interesting uh, a very interesting show my favorite version Version of it is um, is Saturday Night, Live, Saturday Night Live just get a few years back, where Kylo Ren uh, went undercover in Star Wars, and it just made me laugh because I think everything Star Wars related is cool, but it's it's just a really neat concept to think about, you know, this boss, this person that's important or are in charge, uh, you know, humbling themselves and, and then getting to see how the regular folk live and so on and so forth. I don't know why, because my brain works weird. That was the, the, the concept I kept thinking about when I read um, this text. You're probably thinking, well, did, how did you go to undercover boss from Jesus' baptism? Well, here's how. As I said earlier, an undercover boss, there's always the boss who who, who puts on the disguise or the long hair or the whatever. And then they go and they do the ordinary stuff everybody else is doing. And then there's always the big reveal. Bob, who you think is just this person, is actually CEO of the coal company. Wow. Okay. Jesus Christ, the very son of God. Eternal begotten, not made at the very nature of the father. We already confessed that this morning in our creed. Scripture says in John that he was was the light. He was the logos, the very essence and the very nature of who God is. And then Philippians says that he humbled himself to a servant, took even death, death upon the cross for our sins. When you look at the whole of scripture, when you look at the whole of the gospels, What you're going to find with Jesus is no, very few people understood who he was the entire time. The people who followed him the most, his very disciples didn't understand him. Whenever Jesus tells Peter, I've got to go to Jerusalem to be, to die upon the cross, to save the world from their sins. Peter says, no Lord, that can't be so. The disciples the entire time never truly understood who Jesus was. It wasn't until Pentecost. Remember he says in John 14... The advocate, the Holy Spirit will come and remind you of all that I have taught you. It is almost like at Pentecost, when the spirit descended and the light went off and they went, oh, 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 oh." now we get, now we get it. Now we understand what he was saying. Now it makes sense. And these individuals who were cowards before, like Peter, who denied his name three times, stood up in the temple and preached. And when he was told by the religious leaders, "Hey, you better not preach anymore," Peter says, "I'm gonna do what I want to." Paraphrasing, I don't know if that's what he actually said. I'm gonna do what I want to. That's what he had said if he was from Bogota. But you know, he he said, "I'm gonna preach," and he did. So, the, but here's the thing: there's only, in my opinion, twice in in the gospel accounts before the resurrection, where Jesus is truly seen in his glory. One is the transfiguration, when he goes up on the mount and he is transfigured into his glorious state, and they see and behold Jesus in all of his glory. And the other to me is his baptism. Because in his baptism, in his baptism, when he comes out of the water, since the, 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 the sky opens and the Spirit descends like a dove, and the Father says, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. And we see in that moment, and we see in this moment, not, not Jesus. Humbly, not Jesus' servant, we see Jesus in all of his glory, the very son of God, eternally begotten, not made, of one with the father, the second person of the Trinity, the very savior of humanity, the lamb who comes to take away the sins of the world. In this moment of baptism, we see Jesus for who he is. Glorious and mighty and powerful and the king, the one whom the very father of all creation says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. If you were witnessing this, there could be no doubt about who Jesus was. We see him as he is here in his baptism. So here's the deal. That's gotta mean baptism must mean something. I do this class that talks about um what Methodists believe. And I, one of my first weeks in this class is to actually lay out what all Christians believe. What are the things that all of us as Christians believe? Uh, And I say that all Christians believe in scripture, all all Christians believe in the creeds and all Christians believe in the sacraments. Now there's debates among all Christian groups. Well, how exactly do we interpret the Bible? Uh, But as a friend of mine used to always say, you know, Andy, every church says they're founded upon the Bible. Yeah, we all disagree with each other. He said, I would like to see the church that says, we're founded on a mixture of the Bible and Fleetwood Mac lyrics. No, you know, there's always conversation about how the Bible's interpreted. That's okay, but all Christians believe scripture matters. All all Christians believe the creeds matter. Now, not every church will say the creeds in worship, but the essence of the creeds, what we said this morning, the Apostles' Creed, what we recited, every Christian believes that. That's core Christian doctrine. And every church Every Christian is going to believe in the sacraments. Now, some we may quibble with how many they are, and and, and some will call them ordinances, and some will call them sacraments. But the reality is, every Christian is going to believe that baptism matters. There may be a conversation about when it's done, or who should receive it, or how it's done. Sure, those are conversations the church always has. But the reality is, every church believes that baptism matters. That's why Jesus says, this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. In this baptism, Jesus shows us what the path of righteousness looks like. But here's what you need to understand about baptism. Here's what you need to understand about baptism. Let's go back to the Old Testament. I hope, I hope, you're, I hope you're following along with our Rooted in Christ Bible study this, uh, this semester, this year. If you are, you're seeing we're spending a lot of time this year talking about Context talk about how things fit together because to truly understand scripture you don't want to just take one verse and say aha you want to understand all of scripture in context how does it all speak together so to understand part of this baptism we got to go back to the old testament for a little bit in the old testament let's start with uh start with noah start with noah um no the earth floods noah saves everything i wish he'd uh, not saved i don't know skunks or something like that but whatever you know we got all the animals they're all in the boat in the ark it floods the doves released everybody gets out stretches their legs use the restroom all that stuff you do after a long road trip and then the lord says to noah i'm not doing this again i'm not going to flood the earth again like this i'm making this covenant with you it'll never happen and to seal this covenant as a sign of this covenant. What did he do? Set in the clouds, a rainbow. He said, when you see this rainbow, you'll be reminded of the covenant that I've made with you here. Okay, let's hit fast forward. Go ahead a little bit. We get to Abraham. Lord tells Abraham, Abraham, here's the deal. I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna gonna give you a people, even though you're old and even though Sarah's old, I'm gonna give you a people. And they're going to have a land and I will be your God and they will be my people. And this is an eternal covenant that I am making with you. So God does this. And then to seal this covenant that God makes with Abraham, he gives Abraham. What does he give him? Just like the, just like the rainbow? Gives him a sign. Gives him a seal. And this seal will be the proof of the Covenant. Okay. So what was that sign? What was that seal? Circumcision. So when the act of circumcision happens, that was a reminder to the Jewish people of God's promise to them. That circumcision was a reminder of God's promise. Let's hit fast forward a little bit more. Let's go to the law. God tells Moses, here's the law. Here's the things I want you to do. This, this is going to make the path forward for you to be holy, but also for you to be a, a sign of the, of the Messiah that is to come. So God gives Moses these commands. And what does he give? He gives this this covenant. And with this covenant, we have the law. We have the temple. We have these signs that show as a reminder of the covenant. The covenant that God made with the people. To Abraham, to Noah, to Moses. A covenant is a relational agreement where God says, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And this right here will be the sign, the proof, the marker of this promise I have made to you. Well, we as Christians, we now live under what is often called the new covenant. You've probably seen a thousand churches in your life that are called new covenant, whatever. The new covenant, we see it in Jeremiah begin to emerge. I will make my people a new covenant. And this new covenant is where God writes his law upon our heart. This new covenant is of grace. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace through faith lest no man can boast. Understand, friends, your actions do not save you. You can be the best person in creation. You can brush your twi- teeth twice a day, floss, go to your healthy meat, check the doctor, tithe, serve on SPRC, Whatever. Whatever makes you a good person, you can do that. But if you don't have Jesus in your life, you're missing the point. Your faith is not about you being a good person. Your faith is about you loving Jesus with all that you are. And then when you love Jesus, he takes care of the good and the bad. God says, you are saved by grace through faith, lest no one can boast. Our faith is not a faith of actions. Our faith is a faith of the heart. And then the heart changes the actions, this new covenant of grace. And so as Christians, what is the sign of this new covenant of grace? Baptism. What did, God, what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter eight? Go forth making disciples, teaching them all to obey all I've commanded you and baptize them in the name of the father and of the son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism for us as Christians, in the same way that circumcision was a sign of the covenant to the Jewish people, baptism for us is a sign of the covenant for us as believers. This covenant of grace. That's why when somebody says, Hey Andy, we want to join the church, the first question I ask them is this: Is well, have you been baptized? If you've been baptized, awesome. We celebrate that. We don't, we don't need to re-bap- we don't rebaptize because we regard, <clears throat> we know as St. As Matthew's and as Wesleyans and as Methodists, we're not the only church out there. And so if you've been baptized in another church, we have no need to redo that because we're not the only one. We're not the only church in creation. We're part of God's great body. And so if you've been impacted by God and another community of faith, we celebrate that. We, we rejoice in that. You've been marked by that grace at that moment. Baptism is about God marking you with his grace. God saying, you are one for whom I have died. You are one for whom I desire to save. Your baptism might be the most important gift outside of your salvation that God's ever given you because your baptism is about God marking you as his own. By the way, that's one of the many reasons that we as Methodists and we as Wesleyans do infant baptism. Because let's go back to circumcision. Circumcision. Who was circumcised in the Jewish tradition? Males, specifically male children on the eighth, on the eighth day. So, male children were circumcised. Why were they circumcised? To show that they were children born under the covenant, that they were born under the covenant of the Jewish people, born under the covenant of Abraham. They were children born of the covenant. Now, let me ask you this question. Did every child that was circumcised in the Old Testament perfectly follow God? No. Have you read the Old Testament? No. Go read it. Like you feel bad about yourself, go read the Old Testament. You can feel a lot better about yourself. That child had to receive that gift given to them of circumcision. But that child was circumcised to show they were part of the covenant family. So around the year 80 AD, the first group of Christians began to marry each other, began to have Christian children. They said, hmm, what are we to do with these Christian kids? And the church said, well, just as children under the old covenant were marked as those for whom that are part of the marked as part of the covenant community, so too shall children that are born under the new covenant be marked as those under the covenant community. One of the reasons why we baptize infants is so that they have been marked by God as one for whom Christ Jesus died, marked by God as one who is under his covenant marked by God as one who is under his grace. That gift of baptism is that marking upon that child or upon that adult that they are one for whom Christ Jesus has given his life and they are one for whom Christ Jesus desires to save. Now, just as with circumcision in the Old Testament, that baptism doesn't save you. There's a lot of folks that got baptized that probably needed some more water put on them. I was one of them for a long time in my life. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is a gift given to you. But just like every gift, if you got the best gift given to you at Christmas, but you hadn't opened it, guess what? It's not doing you any good. The gift only does you good when you receive it. In your baptism, you have been marked as one for whom Christ died. You have been marked as one for whom Jesus Christ loves. If you ever think you're unloved, if you ever think you have no worth, if you ever think you've done too much, gone too far, and are of no value to God, remember your baptism. You didn't do a single thing to earn your baptism, but be born. That's all you did. And God gave us the grace because God desires to save us. In our baptism, we are marked as one of God's very own. I know I've shared the story with you before, but I think the best visual depiction of baptism of anything I've ever seen is from the great theological work Toy Story. In Toy Story, if you remember the story, spoiler alert, uh buzz is not a real buzz is a toy not a real space cadet so buzz is the entire first story struggling he thinks he's real he thinks he's really he thinks, real. he thinks he's real and finally Woody tells him no you're a toy and he's heartbroken he's crestfallen he says i'm just a toy he said no look at your foot and on his foot andy had written his name upon upon buzz's foot he said you're not just any toy you're andy's toy He had been marked by the name of Andy as his very own. In your baptism, you have been marked by Jesus. Jesus has written his name upon you. You are his. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to know you. So the question then becomes for us is what do we do with it? What do we do with that gift that has been given to us? You have been marked as his very own. May we receive, may we live into, and may that gift be the defining mark upon our lives. Let us pray.